The new liberal arts is inspiring students at Hiram College. I'm Abby, and I'm studying science, theater, and the art of communicating ideas. The new liberal arts is helping students find their unique voice and become their best self. I'm learning to think out loud, challenge myself, and everyone else. It's building a 21st century skill set and mindset that prepares them for careers of the future. I am ready to affect people's lives. I am Abby, and I am Hiram. Learn more about the new liberal arts at Hiram.edu. Welcome to Fireside Chats, 60 minutes of stimulating conversation with some of Northeast Ohio's most interesting entrepreneurs. Get the inside story from folks who have taken the leap and who are willing to share what they've learned, the good, the bad, and the inspiring. Fireside Chats, real entrepreneurs, real stories, real learning. Fireside Chats are brought to you by the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship at Hiram College. Be sure to look for our Fireside Chat podcasts where you can listen on your own time and our dime. For more information, visit hiram.edu backslash entrepreneurship. Now, let's get chatting. Welcome everybody to the first fireside chat of the spring semester. My name is Kay Mulkentine. I'm director of the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship here at Hiram. And so I welcome our viewers here in the forum, as well as our viewers who are joining us for the first time via live streaming. Um, and for our viewer, viewers out there that are um, streaming in, if you have any questions for Mel during the course of the chat, you can email those to entrepreneurship at hiram.edu, and then I'll be sure to pass those questions on to Mel when we get to Q&A a little bit later. So tonight, our first speaker is Mel McGee, and uh, Mel is the founder and the CEO of We Can Code It, which is a coding boot camp. But actually, this is not Mel's first time here at Hiram. She spoke as a chat speaker about five years ago when she I got interested in her because she was one of about the six or eight people chosen in Northeast Ohio to test out Google Glasses. And so I reached out to her, she came and spoke then, and she's been doing a lot of interesting, exciting, and entrepreneurial things since then. And so if everyone will join me in welcoming Mel. Well, thank you, everybody. I am very excited to talk to you not only about We Can Code It, but also about my journey to We Can Code It. And that's where we're going to start off. So I am founder and CEO of We Can Code It. Um, we Can Code It was founded, 20, our first boot camp was March 9th of 2015. It's like having a baby. You always remember that day. Um, so it was founded just shortly before that, and we have been doing very well ever since. Let me tell you a little bit about me. And this will hopefully help you make sense of why We Can Code It is the way it is and why we champion social equity through technology. All right, take a look at this picture, and I want guesses. What do you think this is? Oh, that's too good. Any other ideas? A skull. A skull. A turtle. A turtle. Fire. Fire. Anything else? Who says cow's face? Oh. After you say it, 
you start to be able to see it, right? Can everybody make it out there? Well, let's see if I can. The nostrils, the eyes, the ears. Do you see it now? Here's the reason I bring this up is because when you're not used to a pattern, it's difficult to make sense of that pattern. Typically, that's how we see the world. When, it, when we first see a pattern, it seems completely foreign to us. It takes a lot longer for us to figure out what's going on. And because of this, I want you to now, in your mind, figure out what do I think a programmer looks like? What do I think a software developer looks like? Do they look like me? Probably not. I'm probably the least likely image you'll have in your mind, or at least one of them, right? They look like you guys, right? Perfect computer scientists over there, right? So here's me in computer science classroom. This is not honestly a picture. I grabbed this off the net. But, you know, this is what it looks like, right? This is what a computer science class typically looks like. You don't see much diversity in the room. And why is that important? Well, this is not me either. It's a representation of me. When I was a little kid, we got a computer. Got a, my dad brought home a Commodore 64, and he said, Mel, you're going to love this. And I said, oh my, I really do love this. And I walked in. He had one program. This is the day of floppy disks. Don't know if you even know what those are. But old school PCs, right? One program. One piece of software was on this machine, and it was a word processing program. So I put it in, started it up, started typing away, and about 10 minutes later, I was pretty bored with it. I'm like, oh, woo, okay, it types. Cool, for 10 minutes, and then got the hang of it. So I opened up a book, because that's the only other thing that was there, and it happened to be a programming book that came along with computer. I just started following along and found myself thrilled when I got the computer to, t to say Melanie, 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 endlessly, infinitely, across the screen. That was my first program. And as a little kid, feeling that kind of power is a big deal. Because remember when you're a little kid, nobody listens to you. Nobody really, you don't have much power. But I had that machine, and that machine did my bidding. And that's how I felt. I was hooked. So that's me as a little kid, just as that was a little Melanie. So, you know, here's me as a little kid learning how to program. I thought it was pretty cool. And fast forward to college. I go into college, and those guys that you saw before were in the classroom. And I thought, ugh, these guys don't look like me. I don't belong here. Did you ever feel that way? Like, I don't belong here, right? Maybe, I don't know, go into a ballet class. You might feel a little weird, right? Okay. So I thought, well, that's not for me. I'm going to study anthropology. I want to be like Margaret Mead here. I'm going to go across the world, meet all these different people from different cultures. It's going to be phenomenal. I thought that was cool. I also thought psychology would be really cool because I really like interesting people. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. Until I realized I also had to deal with crazy people like this. Anybody see the shiny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So back I go. I started, I went into the workforce, I worked for a little while, and worked at a desk job, and all I wanted to do is take that pencil and stick it in my eye. 
It was awful. It was the worst desk job in the world, and I said, I gotta go back to school. Went back to grad school in computer science, so there I am again. What's the lesson from this one? Help others, feel included. Don't feel intimidated. Right. I was hired out of grad school by a company called New Media, and I was their web developer. I was their first web person. It was like in the 90s, right? So I was like, ooh, doing all that fun, cool stuff. And I was doing so well, and I was, web development at that point in time, web application development was so in demand that I just opened my own company. I had people calling me left and right. Hey, can you make this application? Can you make this go? And I'd say, sure, sure. Did I know how to do all of it? Absolutely not. A lot of times I thought, oh, this would be great. I'll get paid to learn. And I did. And I felt confident in myself that I could accomplish that. And really, went nose down figured it out, got a lot of clients, started my own company. Had, like, Tyco International was a client, I had Xerox as a client. The thing is, I was in my 20s and I didn't know this was special. I had no concept that it was special. So, the lesson I learned from this one is try and appreciate your value and contributions. And I think especially, like, around college age, it's, it's pretty difficult. You, you just think, well, everybody can do this, or everybody's like me. And the reality is, no, not everybody is like you. Not everybody can do that. Appreciate your value and figure out what you're really good at, too. All right, so during this time period, I started doing some interesting and funky things. Uh, this is my wearable computer at, in the late 90s, before wearable computers. <laughs> so I had to make it myself. I wanted to create a wearable computer because I was sick and tired. I was programming all the time at my own company, right? I'm programming, I'm staying up three days in a row, we're talking, like, and then I'd crash. Get up, work, 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 crash. I was exhausted and I thought, if only I weren't tethered to my desktop computer. If only I could go out and walk around the streets with a computer. I need to make a computer that I can wear. This is before like smartphones like you know it, okay? So there was no like, oh, I'm just gonna grab my iPhone and I can look stuff up. Didn't exist. So that motivated me to create this wearable computer, built it up, have, had a little monocular display. Up oh, there it is, you can hardly see it. Little monocular display, totally kludgy. I would also, actually I'd gotten a couple of books because of this thing. I got in a book called Smart Mobs um, when I was, uh, I, I met an author um, down in New York City. We were walking around, it was right past, right after 9-11, and I happened to be staying at this, uh, the Roosevelt Hotel, and the president of Pakistan was also at this hotel at the time. Secret service all over the place, and me wearing this thing, and this thing, right? Yeah, I, I was very, very, very concerned about my, my safety. Um, around this time, I'm also playing with different things. So, this is a chatbot I was playing with back then. Um, she's a lightweight artificial intelligence. I named her, uh, I called it TalkBots at the, at the time. Um, and this is ZoeBot. And Zoe was created because telemarketers would call all the time. And I was so sick of telemarketers calling, I thought, I need something with voice over IP that will check a database of all the phone um, phone numbers that I'm aware of, and if I don't know them, Zoe's gonna answer them, 
And if it's like a telemarketer, she's just going to chat them up until they're sick of her. So that was why I created her. From Zoe Bot came Skeletor Bot. Skeletor <laughs> started as an idea for a, a Halloween, um, just a fun Halloween gag. Um, similar to Zoe Bot, he talks to you, but he does voice recognition and then text to speech. So you'll say, Hi, Skel, and it's like, Hello there. What is your name? And you'll tell them your, your name, and they'll say, Hi, John, how are you? And you can have an actual conversation. This Skeletor freaks little kids out at Halloween every year at my house. So lesson from here is don't just work on your craft, but be creative. And don't just work in your craft, work on your craft. Be creative. Find something you love about what you're doing right now. Be it accounting, computer science, entrepreneurship. You don't have, everything doesn't have to have the end game. You can do it for fun, and it's amazing what you can learn while you're doing those experiences. Another lesson is stand out from the crowd. Make Skeletor about, right? Make your, the equivalent of a skeleton, talking skeleton that freaks little kids out. That'll get you some attention in your career, don't you think? You can also learn. So about this time, I had a daughter. This is my daughter, Mira. And I said, you know, I'm going to slow down for a little bit. I slowed down, um, did freelance work for a while until she got a little older. And I said, OK, I'm itching again. I'm going to go out and do something. So just this is, this is a big lesson if you don't have kids. Even one kid is hard. So I went out and I wanted to conjure up business. So how do you do that? There are a lot of resources in the Cleveland area. Um, I went out and spoke at a lot of different places. And people started coming up to me after my speeches saying, hey, can you teach me how to code? And most of them were women. And most of them, and that was super shocking and surprising because you saw my computer science classroom, right? Or the representation of it. So I'm like, huh, something doesn't make sense here. Why are they coming up to me? What's going on? Um, and anyways, during that process of going out, speaking at the different places, uh, the other they helped me out. They helped spread the word and I learned. So utilize the relationships and mentorship in the area. But during that time, I didn't think about We Can Code It. I, it didn't click yet. They were saying, will you teach me? I said, sure. And I started it as a volunteer effort. But I'm trying to do an augmented reality company during this time. I'm like, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to do augmented reality. I'm creating something called Robar AR, right? And it is going to be a marketing platform so that marketers can come online, create quick and easy augmented reality campaigns for the audience. You, you know what I'm talking about when I say augmented reality? Like Pokemon Go kind of thing? OK. So here's me pushing Robar. Nobody's biting, but everybody's saying, will you teach me how to code? Will you teach me how to code? And they're saying, you know, will you teach my kids how to code? Can you teach more? And I'm like, sure, sure, sure. And what I've learned from here is Rovar failed. Rovar failed. Don't be afraid of failure. Take failure and learn from it. And listen to people. I'm trying to sell Rovar over the place. Nobody's biting. I'm still pushing it because of my ego. Because I think this is cool. And I want my invention to catch on. But the reality is, is that it's not you, it's people that you need to listen to. Feedback is a gift.
When somebody, don't look at it as criticism. When somebody says something to you, look at it as feedback. So don't let your buttons get pushed. Accept it and learn from it. So eventually I listened to that feedback and we can code it was born. This is from my first class back March 9th, 2015 in Cleveland. And what do you notice about that class? A whole bunch of women there, right? Maintain focus and differentiate in your business. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about We Can Code It. So our mission is to champion social equity through technology. What do you think that means? Why do you think that it's important to somebody like me? Yeah, yeah. Why do you think a mission that I would create a company with a mission of championing social equity through technology? What do you think that means and why do you think that I would find that important? What do you think it means? Champion? Uh, every, like, race and gender and everything has an equal chance in society. That's pretty much it, right? And you do, I'm doing it through tech. Why might you think tech would be a great way to do that? Yeah. Because everyone uses it, everyone's you know, it's developing more and more and more. Yeah. And having people like understand what that is, like how it's used, can really help like also, you know, people get good jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can get a lot of, you know, good people. Awesome. You want a job? That's good. <laughs> We have a vision to graduate 10,000 students, 70% of which are diverse students, by 2030. It's a pretty lofty goal. Pretty great. Yeah, we can do the math later. Let me tell you about our values, because this is super important to me, and it's important if you're in entrepreneurship not to lose sight of your mission, vision, and values. Own your own stuff. Own your own stuff to me means be accountable. Be transparent, you have good communication skills. I think that value, if you take that anywhere in any job that you have, it's going to get you 80% of the way. Don't point fingers at other people, is the reality. When something goes wrong, guess what? If something goes wrong at my company, it's not somebody who did it. You know whose fault it is? Mine. Every single time. It's my fault. I run the ship, it's my fault. Right? So always, just a word of advice, owning your own stuff, great place to start in your career, no matter what your career is. Embrace agility. Don't be stuck in, it must be this way. I cannot change anything. That's what gets you into ruts. Look for opportunities. And look for opportunities to change. Don't be afraid of it. It's cool. We mean business. Well, yeah, we mean business. We're, we're here to play. That's what that means. Do the right thing. It's pretty obvious. Strive to understand. Instead of looking at your perspective first, look at another person's perspective first. That's another really good general like communication skill, be it with your friend, your parents, your kids, your loved ones, whomever, your business associates. When you try to listen to somebody else first, 
it really helps them feel heard and understood, helps you under, understand them, they feel important in your eyes, and you'll have the opportunity then to respond later, but just try to strive to understand them first and foremost. And of course, we champion diversity and inclusion. Okay, let's talk about We Can Code It and the problems We Can Code It's here to solve. So you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you spoke about, I'm here to champion diversity, different genders, races, ages, etc. because lots of jobs are going to be lost due to automation. It's just the way it is. So there are more jobs in tech that can be then can be filled by traditional routes. So, I mean, how many of you are computer science majors? Three, yay! That's pretty good, right? But there's not enough. There's so many jobs out there. Even with you three representing Hiram, there's a lot of openings, right? I hope so. So traditional education is often too expensive for folks and too long. And then finally, women and people of color are left out of tech. I think you saw that in some of my slides. Solution. Our solution is to create inclusive, accelerated training programs in software development with a focus on career and job placement. Nice, straightforward solution. It's rapid. You don't have to, like, give up your whole life to do it. You don't have to take four years of your life without getting paid, right? Number one. Number two, we teach you skills. We teach you real world skills that you're gonna need. Number three, we focus on your career. You're not left to your own devices. Just saying, okay, so you wouldn't wanna be a touch of some software. So those are the you know three things we really focus on there. And of course, including people so that they feel like, oh, I can do this too. It's not just some stereotyped person I have in my mind that's a good software developer, I can do this too. There's room for me at the table. I don't know if I can play this from here. If not, I'll tell you a manual story. Let's see. Maybe not. This is one of our students, Emmanuel. He's in Columbus. We have campuses in Cleveland, Columbus. Um, he did a great job. He went through the boot camp. Um, got hired right away at Nationwide, make, earning a great living. And he was saying, you know, 90% of the stuff he learned in boot camp is what he does on the job. Let me tell you about what our process is for our boot camp that we can code it. So this is sort of the overview. Start with an assessment. So we assess the fit of somebody coming into our program. Not necessarily just for us, but for them as well. We don't want someone to come in and waste a few months of their lives, three to four months of their lives doing this when it's not going to be right for them, nor do we want to charge them if an accelerated pace of computer science is not really their kind of thing. There are other programs out there, and we do this purposefully to ensure customer satisfaction and the overall pace and result of our classes. We also do an interview as part of this. Once a student is enrolled at We Can Code It, we 
do skill development. And this is based on career services as well as software development. And it's wrapped around problem and project-based approach, which is very different than the standard education approach. This approach is a way for students to collaborate, work on real-world projects, and learn like you would on the job. We have, we allow employers come in, hang out with students, tell you about their companies, interview you and the like. Um, you have programmers come in, people talk, do chats akin to this at the boot camp. And finally, um, we focus on employment. And 94% of students looking to be placed are placed within six months of graduation. We're super proud of this number. And of course, we have a week encoded community we have students still coming in from when we started, saying hi, um, coming to events, speaking at events, and hanging out with us. So those are some of our students. We have employers that we work with. These are not the only employers. We have hundreds of employers and partners um, in Ohio and throughout the US. Some of our students go and work for Microsoft, um, IBM, Highland, some local companies, some cool companies, Lean Dogs, right in Cleveland. It's super, it's a really cool kind of boutique software. I think you had, we had him John on here. here. Yeah, he spoke here. I was looking through this. That's very cool. Very cool company. And we've gotten lots of awards. We were best boot camp two years in a row. Um, and I've been honored several times recently, so I'm very pleased with that. Let me tell you what we teach. We have an in-person program, and we have a hybrid program that we call FlexCode. Our in-person program is 14 weeks in length. Um, we teach typically a strong foundational skill like C Sharp or Java, um, so that students have a sort of like learning classic piano. You know, you're learning really strong basics. After that, you can go off and learn like jazz or whatever else you want to learn. But you get a nice strong foundation. Uh, we also we are a full staff program, so we also teach front end skills like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, teach some database stuff, and then tie it all together with MVC patterns. This might mean anything to you. I mean, it, it, this might make not make any sense to you. However, um, basically, you learn how to uh, create a complete application from the ground up. Then um, we teach some skills that developers usually use, most often use, like GitHub. We teach Agile and Scrum, which is a um, methodology of practice to create, problem, create projects collaboratively on a team and the like. And we also have strong career development. Oh, that was a video. Okay, here's your ROI question. You've asked me, Brian, right? You asked me why boot camp versus college. Trust me, I, I, if I could stay in college, I would be there right now. I love learning and I love college. This isn't about, you could do both. We've had lots of students come through and um, get their undergrad and then come in to learn extra skills with us. but. Why? It ends up being a cost and time issue. Um, 
a lot of times colleges are going to teach you different things. They're going to teach you more things like um, more algorithm-based, more computer science-based versus a boot camp, which would teach you more skill-based, um, what you might be using day-to-day -day as a software developer in the real world versus anything theoretical. So that should give you an idea. Um, on average, a recent grad from We Can Code It makes $54,000 for their first job at a boot camp. Um, and the average software developer, period, makes over six figures. It's a good profession to be in. It's a high-paying profession. And you can get to those six figures pretty quickly. Let me tell you a little bit more about We Can Code It. It's a $13,900 cost. So compare that to school, right? If you compare it to colleges um, and how long you're going to be there, take all that factoring into your return on investment and you know your time, there's a, a value to your time, there's a value to being outside the workforce. So some students, obviously, that's important to students if they don't have the means to attend a four-year program, right? We have lots of funding options for them that we can code it. Um, probably more than most other boot camps, honestly. We are, City of Cleveland um, came up with a, it's called Neighborhood Transformation Initiative Grant, and it's, we can code, they, get, they said We Can Code It is going to be the ones who to train folks using this grant. It's exclusive to We Can Code It students. So that's pretty cool. Oh, I have videos here that aren't playing. We're just going to keep going. We have campuses in Cleveland and Columbus. So we opened our Columbus campus in October 10th of 2016. This is the opening of that campus. It's been growing ever since. Plan on opening more campuses throughout the year. We have approximately 150 students graduate every year per campus. Yeah, starts to, yeah. Yeah, and we're all about giving back. So we do things like this. We do things like this was a, a women in tech conference. We taught them test-driven development using Legos. That was fun. And your students pay it forward. And that's another thing that makes makes this different. Our students. This is a application. It's a food um, for the Columbus Food Pantry, and our students created this project to help them out and help change their turnaround time from somebody coming in saying, I need toilet paper, I need milk, yada, 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 from a two-hour wait to something like a 20-minute wait. It's insane. And their project helps that community. Yeah. And this is the team that makes it happen. We have a couple people that aren't shown there. But there we are. That's all I got, folks. That's We Can Code It, and that's my journey. So questions for Mel, please. I'm sure there are some. Um, what, uh, like, what qualifications do you require to hire like, for your staff? Like, do you want them to have a college degree in computer science or graduate degree or anything? Or? Depends what kind of staff member they are. So actually, um, if you're talking about instructors, what qualifications yeah. do I require for instructors? Uh, no, it is not, I do not predicate 
having a college degree on their ability to be phenomenal software developers and instructors. Um, we actually had one of our best instructors, um, brilliant, brilliant guy, and he didn't graduate college, but he had 20x years of experience. It was amazing. Do you just have an assessment for them to prove that? Yeah, we do have. We have assessments. We have interviews. I mean, there's a lot of interviews it takes before we bring anybody on. We can get it. Ever, um, has any of your conduct work for you? Have they ever graduated from the boot camp? Have you ever like, asked like, anyone that's done well through the boot camp to come back and work for you? Actually, one of our instructors now. Yeah, she was out. She was working in, in the wild for you know, a few years, and she said, I want to come back. I want to work for you guys. She said, come on back. We're glad to have you. Here we are. We're lucky to have you. Yeah. One of your uh, important lessons was to listen to feedback. What yes. is like, some of the most inspirational feedback? Inspirational feedback. I don't know if I've ever remembered the inspirational feedback. I usually remember the negative feedback. Um, <laughs> inspirational feedback. You know, I think for me, it is not about somebody saying, you're doing great, you're doing a great job. You know, wow, I'm so impressed by X, Y, and Z that you've done. I usually, and this might just be my own downfall, when somebody says something like that to me, I'm like, uh-huh. You know, I don't give it a lot of, I don't put a lot behind it. Um, but what I will do is I will see people's actions. Um, so for positive feedback for me, it's more about, wow, look at, you know, look at this student and look at how they're doing it. Oh my gosh, they're, where? They're at Microsoft making how much? And oh my gosh, that's the stuff that inspires me. Um, feedback itself, when I was talking about that, I think I was, I, was, I was thinking about the days when I'm trying to build something that I'm trying to force feed other people instead of listening to what they're saying to me. Like, you know, will you teach me how to code? I really like your, I really like your program. I like how you teach. Will you show me how to do it too? Um, versus, no, I don't think your augmented reality idea is all that. Um, that's the kind of feedback sometimes you don't want to hear, especially as an entrepreneur who's poured hundreds of hours into a company, right. you know, that people uh, in a product that somebody doesn't want, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of like your uh, like the way you teach, like using Java and C sharp. Mm -hmm. You um, like what kind of like as you said like real world you use like real world projects and stuff. Do you have like your students make games or design websites just like just like for practice or what like what kind of projects I guess do you have them do? Like, sure. More specifically? So it depends what stage they are in the program. Right. In the early on, early on we have curated projects for them. So they're doing maybe like an ATM project. Don't hold me to this or something maybe fun. Yeah, we do some games. We have one that's fortune teller and we build upon that and we teach object-oriented programming from it. Okay. And we go through iterations of it and they'll go through and work on it as a team and in pairs and the like, like they would in the real world. By the end of boot camp, um, we, we take off more of the safety belts yeah. and we say, choose your adventure. You know, what do you want to build? Or go out in the community like our Columbus students did. 
find a project that's of interest to you. Like that an you internship? Want to Just like any project? It's a project. Yeah. yeah. Project. In the real world. They build it, then we have a demo day at the end of boot camp. Employers come, families come, and they show it off to the world. And most of the times, people's jaws drop. Yeah. You guys use like Eclipse? Eclipse for Java, yeah. yeah. I kind of noticed on your website when it talked about um, your online portion of the uh, boot camp mm -hmm. and that it was more like focused on one specific uh, type of program in Java. Mm -hmm. Are you ever gonna try to like you know make it to where you can um you can like focus on something else too? Like you know they wanted to do something else besides Java mm -hmm. on the online program. Are you gonna try to you know incorporate that into the online portion of the? Absolutely. So one thing about entrepreneurship is this is another lesson: minimum viable product. Right? You start with something that makes a lot of sense, and you don't go crazy. Because you know what, I'm gonna over-architect something. If I start not, it's gonna be like my augmented reality company I was telling you about. Start small, get feedback, and then iterate through based on the feedback. So yeah, so we've had feedback over the course of multiple iterations because we're always improving, we're never done um, improving. So absolutely, have more modularized classes, different languages, we have curated the languages that we teach at Week Encode It based on employers, what is in demand. You know, like the video I was going to show you that I said 90%, he said 90% of what I've learned I'm using and it's helped me be a strong performer quickly. That's why we do it, because we're interested in making sure that students are employable. So we curate the, the languages out to give them the, the best shot. Um, but, and on top of that, yeah, we're going to have different iterations, different languages, different modularized structure. You'll see that that's all on the radar for us. Seems like a lot of work, doesn't it? What else? Yeah. Uh, what was your main vision for this company since like you started till now? And has it like has it changed? The vision? Yeah. Um, the details about the vision have changed. So specifically when you're talking about vision, I'm referring to the document that I said, the you know, 10,000 graduates by 2030, you know. That number, those precise numbers, yes, those have changed. And those have changed because, you know, when I started, it was like little old me and like one or two other people. So I was doing everything. Now you can't run a sustainable company like that, but you have to balance like, oh, are we going to make any money? How are we going to fund this? Along with, you know, hiring people to help you. So as I brought on a leadership team over the years, they became part of the process. It's not just coming from up on high. I need them to feel invested, and we can put it as well. So together, we have co-created the new specific vision that you see there. But the, but the idea of the mission has never changed in the concept from just from my perspective of what we can code it would look like has not changed that's the vision's still there and it's still I'll go back to documents I put together like business plans and stuff that I put together back in 2014 2015 so we can code it and I am shocked how on the nose it is like to what we're doing currently without even having to like refer to like Oh wait, we said in this business document that we do this next. No, because I, I that's not the way I roll. We roll with agility and you know, but, but it's so spot on to how we first started and what 
we saw we can code it um, becoming in the future. Yeah. yeah. So when you were first getting into like computer science, you said it's like a field dominated mostly by like males. Mm -hmm. So like, was that ever like in the back of your mind, like either as like a deterrent or like extra motivation to do it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I went in, and you, know, you know, part of it, when I first went in, it was, it was absolutely opposite of that. I was deterred from doing it because I felt, well, this must not be for me. Uh, none of these people look like me. Maybe I'm going to be awful at it. Maybe I'm missing something here. You know? It's sort of like that one, I must be wrong. I must be missing something. Um, then I got in it. I mean, when I jumped in and realized, like, I rock at this. You know, I'm at the top of my class. It was, that was empowering. And it made me feel like I'm going to do this in spite of what people think I should be doing. I'm skilled at this. I, it made me work harder. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not in a way of I'm doing it like just because, yeah, just to show everyone, but in a way that was like, I'm doing this so I can show myself. Can you talk a little bit? Your your you went to school for anthropology, and so psychology. Um, yep. in psychology, so humanities type, liberal arts background. Can you talk a little bit about the skill sets that you developed early on in that part of your life that you how those translate to now? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you see a strong um, understanding that there are different people in the world and different cultures, different belief systems, and not they're all different perspectives. So that's part of that's part of we can code it. That's really easy to I think translate between the two. Um, you know, from psychology, um, I also have training in, in, from the Gestalt Institute of Cleveland, and some of my values actually show that that's some of the stuff from there. Um, from a psychological standpoint, uh, from entrepreneurship, straight up, wow. If there is one, what one thing do you think would be the most difficult part of being an entrepreneur and running a company? What do you guys think? Startup. Startup. Idea. Idea. And people actually want to do, uh, invest in your company and want to actually get what you're selling. So finance. Failure. Failure. Any other guesses? Let's say you get past that stage. You're back past startup stage at this point in time. You're running. What do you think the hardest part about running a company is? That people depend on you. <laughs> you could. You had me at the people. <laughs> people. People. Right. That's the hardest part of running any company, no matter what. You have people, they have feelings, there are emotions, especially when they're passionate about something, like We Can Code It. People who work for We Can Code It are super passionate about, like, yeah, we're doing this, we're changing this, we're helping our students, this is our calling, right? That's the kind of people that work for We Can Code It. Without psychology, I don't know. I don't know how I could manage the team well or be a good leader. Because I think there's part of me that wants, that's the expert. 
I'm the expert, right? I was a software developer. I was doing it for 20-some years. I know best. That's what's going on in my mind. But the reality is, no, other people have fantastic ideas too, and I have to listen to them. I have to respect their opinions, and I have to back down to be a good leader. So psychology taught me that piece, very much so. Psychology taught me, you know what, Mel? Other people have fantastic ideas, and just because you're the quote-unquote expert doesn't mean that they don't have a fantastic idea or implementation. And so my job changed from being an expert to when it became, when I stepped into being a leader to being a servant leader and to empowering other, to empower other people. It's all about empowering my team. That's from psychology, very much so. Yeah. You, you mentioned you wanted to get 70% uh, to be yeah. underrepresented individuals that you're teaching. Yeah. How do you attract those kinds of people to your program? It's hard. It's very hard. Um, I go, I, we do a lot of community outreach. That's part of it. Um, and I'm going to say, first and foremost, it's going out community outreach, showing people role models. So that's why I go out and speak a lot. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of female computer scientists or software developers or entrepreneurs for that matter in the world. So I like to go out and give speeches so that once you see somebody, like, oh, gosh, she's doing that. I can do that too. And as a matter of fact, one time I spoke at a, um, it was in Youngstown to these girls and that's what they, ex they exactly said. She did it, I can do it too. I can be an entrepreneur as well. So um, from a we can code it perspective, the software development, community outreach, um, we do a lot of inbound marketing, um, we try to do empowerment pieces, make sure to show um, women and people of color represented, it, uh, represented in technology. Are you reaching your target? Are you getting yeah. 70%? Yeah, we're reaching our target. Yeah, it's, but it is, it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle, especially when you consider about, and I think this is an inflated number, 20% um, only technology, uh, computer science, it's 20% women, um, very few um, people of color, uh, African American, black, Latino, Hispanic, uh, very, very few, very few. And the sad thing, over the years, you know, women, we're like the original software developers. That's what's crazy. Went back World War II, it was women. Because they thought it was women's work. You know, they thought, oh, this is like, you know, telephone operators or secretaries. It should be for a woman. Yeah. There were some fantastic um, computer scientists that started as women. It wasn't until the 80s, till the personal computer came out, that the decline of women in computer science started to happen. Yeah. You guys, um, uh, being like relatively small, small, small thing, like um, I guess kind of like Hiram is. Do you get to like? Do you get to? Yeah. Do you get to? I'm sure a prof, uh, prof, uh, staff and students like get more of a close relationship. When yeah. they teach. Do they? Get, so if a student would like to go up to a staff and uh, or a, a teacher, for instance, and say just like, uh, I'm like I like Java and C sharp, but I'm interested in 
some other language that had like just 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 some other language that maybe you guys weren't teaching. Would would there would that like be an option to like work with that student separately or maybe? It would be more. You know, our approach is never one to spoon feed anything to anyone. Our approach is to teach students how to learn, but to curate the learning experience so they didn't feel overwhelmed by all the different languages, all the different styles, all the different technologies out there. So, what would happen would most likely be your instructor would point you in the right direction and help you with resources, then show you how everything you have learned thus far is the same, no matter what language you choose. Because at the end of the day, the process for software development and for engineering in general is the same, over and over. The language, you might, you might write it differently, you might have different syntax, but there are computational thinking concepts, practices, and even perspectives that just that go across the board, no matter what language. So yeah, what would likely happen would be, you learn C-sharp, for example, you want to learn Python. Yeah. Cool, right? Knock yourself out, here are some resources. <coughs> Here is an if statement, a conditional statement, which is a concept in computer science. In C-sharp, this is how it translates over to Python. Here is iteration, or a loop, which is another foundational computer science concept. In C-sharp, this is how you do it in Python. It becomes super simple. Once you learn great practices, the concepts, and start feeling like, yeah, I can do this, I can create things, I can invent those kind of perspectives, once you get that under your belt, learning a new language is a piece of cake. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna close with the last question. So I know you've been very involved in the Northeast Ohio entrepreneurial ecosystem for quite a while. Um, what can you say to the students and to the other people out there? Um, why Is Cleveland a good place to be at this time? I mean, and all this talk about uh, blockchain oh, and yeah. block land, right, and all that. Mm -hmm. So what, what does the future look for for folks and folks staying in Cleveland. Okay, so I am a lead on the attract and retain work stream of Blackland. So I will try to attract and retain you in Cleveland. Um, Cleveland is really going through a, a, a really cool time right now where you have a lot of community. I'm going to focus on Blackland for a second because I think this sums it all up. We are a Rust Belt city. We've seen Pittsburgh reinvent itself into this tech hub, and we're like, hey, what about us, right? We have great natural resources. I mean, I'm gonna tell you stuff you've already heard, right? We have the lake. I love the lake, okay? We have great people. We have fantastic restaurants. All of these wonderful reasons to stay in Cleveland. We have a great, I mean, the cost of living is insanely low compared to the rest of, mo much of the rest of the country, right? So, so the weather, meh. I like seasons, and I can wear coats, so I'll stay warm. However, you're saying, what about the jobs? Where are the jobs? Lockland is uh, the response to how do we reinvent Cleveland and let everybody know that we are a technology 
difficult to be reckoned with. And when I say that, I say technology hub. It just so happens that we're differentiating via blockchain, which is a type of technology. But at the end of the day, we want to become a tech hub for people to not only stay here, but come to Cleveland to help grow Cleveland, because we know it's awesome, right? The people involved in Blockland, I've never seen anything like it. Anyone who, everyone who's anyone from an entrepreneurial perspective, from a tech perspective, and a lot of people from a business perspective are involved. It is a, it really has um, really taken on some critical mass here and really is pushing forward in what I hope for it to do um, to Cleveland, the jobs, the community. We're working hard. It's, we're in the initial stages right now of pushing this forward. But I'd say hang around, take some blockchain classes after you learn a little bit of computer science. It's not that crazy. You just need to know something like JavaScript to get started. And let's see what happens. I think it's great. We need to get a lot of folks ramped up in it and attract employers to Cleveland in order to really take off. But right now, the entrepreneurial community in Cleveland is phenomenal. It's super close-knit, um, very helpful. I mean, we have organizations like Jumpstart, Flash Starts. You know, then you have um, Plug and Play, which is the health tech one. You have um, Start and Clee at Buchholz's organization, which is fantastic. All the founders get together every month, and we have dinner and talk and drink. It's a great time. Um, and lots of other, you know, um, launch house. You can go get some space there, learn from others there. They have great talks. Take advantage of these resources in Cleveland. They are unlike most other communities, so we are very fortunate to have them. I'll also add, even if computing isn't your thing, but blockchain and what people are hoping will happen in Cleveland, when one thing takes off and wins, it means that there's going to be a lot of other jobs in other areas to also help support that growth in Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. it's a rising tide. Well, Mel, we want to thank you very much for thank being you. with us this evening. And, and as we close out uh, this chat, uh, one, I want to apologize to our viewers out there. We had a technical difficulty, so there was sound in the very beginning of the presentation. and. Uh, my student and I were back there frantically trying to figure out what we <laughs> did wrong. But I thought I did something wrong. <laughs> we got it fixed, but we apologize to everybody. But please, um, our viewers out there and anyone else here, well, I know my students will be back next week, but everybody else, um, join us next time. We promise no more techno technology difficulties. When our speaker will be um, Ethan Holmes, founder and CEO of Holmes Made Food and a former... Hiram student. Um, so we, we look forward to uh, having Ethan back next week. So again, thank you very much, Mel. Thank you. And if anyone wants to come up and talk to Mel, one-on-one, -on -one, she'll be, hang out here for a little bit. Thank you.